You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Tuesday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. We're so glad to have you with us. Tag a friend. Let them know that we're live right now. You can get us on Facebook. You can get us on YouTube. And I want you to start transitioning over to Mike Moore Ministries. We're going to have a good time in the Word today. Good to have you, Sharon, from New York, and Lee Ann, and Pamela, and Victoria, Delethea. Good to have you, Janice, and Ponchi. Good to have you with us today. Listen, it's going to be a blast. I'm teaching from the subject, God wants you to be rich. This is our seventh lesson. Uh, We're going to finish in our next session. This is the seventh lesson of an eight-lesson series, and it's been a blessing. So good to have you with us. If you're with us for the first time, you can go back and you can catch up with us. But listen, We are talking now about why God wants you to be rich. Our series title is God Wants You to Be Rich. In our prior lessons, I don't have time to go all the way back, but we learned what does the Bible mean when it says rich. I discovered years ago that the word rich is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you always have an all-sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, is the Bible definition of what the word rich means. And God wants you to be rich. He wants you to have a abundance to live and abundance to give. And we're talking now about why. We're into the, uh, the, the nitty gritty of God's purpose. This is part three. Why does God want you to be rich? And this is part three. In our last lesson, lesson six, we began the three primary reasons, specific reasons why God wants you to be rich. And we said that God wants you to be rich, number one, because you are his child. You are his child. And we learned in our last session that God wants you to live a lavish lifestyle, not just an average lifestyle. He wants you to live a lavish lifestyle. Now, I thought about something, and I want to answer the why question, why does he want you to live a lavish lifestyle beyond he loves you, okay? He loves us as his children. So that's why he wants us to live a lavish lifestyle. Any father would want his child to live a lavish lifestyle if he or she could afford, if he can afford it. Now, listen at this. I thought about something else, another side to the fact of why he wants you to be rich in terms of him being a father, I believe it's because of his namesake. And I'm reminded of a text in Psalms 23, 3, 
It says, he restoreth my soul, referring to the good shepherd, our father God. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness, paths is plural, for his name's sake. And years ago, I looked up the word righteousness. Uh, I, uh, I looked up that word in the Hebrew, that word righteousness is a huge word, is an all-inclusive word. And I discovered that you can give one word to to explain righteousness, and that's prosperity. (coughs) Because, (coughs) pardon me, because prosperity has many paths. There's spiritual prosperity, there's marital prosperity, there's relational prosperity, there's financial prosperity, there's physical prosperity, health prosperity. So he leads us in the paths of prosperity. Now watch this, for his name's sake, for his name's sake. And I looked up, look up this phrase, namesake, and the phrase, his namesake, means for the sake of demonstrating his character, who he is, what he's like. It's a reference to God's character. It's a rep- reference to his reputation. Now, this was one of the motives for me wanting to prosper. God wants his children to prosper for his name's sake. I'm a father. I have two adult children, but when they were children, kids living with me, my wife and I wanted them to do well in life, to prosper. That was the prosper means to do well in life. Now watch this. It was not just for them but it was also for us. It was for me as a parent. How they lived reflected on me. It reflected on my character. It reflected on my ability. If my children went to school and they didn't have adequate clothes and and it was obvious that they were uh, uh, nutritionally starved, you know, and the teacher noticed this child is coming, these children are coming to, to school and it's obvious that they are unkept. It would be a reflection on me as a parent because it, these are my children. Uh, for his name's sake, he wants to, to lead you and to pass a prosperity for his name's sake. And I realized something early when I was trying to renew my mind to this thing of prosperity. I realized that my prosperity and my living a prosperous life was not just for me. It was a reflection of the ability, the care, uh, and the love of my Father God. So I wanted to prosper, not just for my sake, but I wanted to prosper for his sake. Because when people see me in the world, it would be a reflection on God. They can't see God, but they can see the children. We're in the earth. They can't see 
God, but they can see us. So I was motivated. I wanted to prosper. I wanted people to know that my father had the ability, the love, the care. And not only did he he care, he wanted me to live an above average life. And so I was motivated not just to get my needs met. I was motivated because think about it. If I'm struggling to pay my bills and I always need someone to help me, and I'm always living a substandard life, that is a reflection on God. It does not make God look good because we said that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We say, well, we don't say it. The Bible says that the silver and gold belongs to God. So if he's rich and I'm his child and I'm poor, now, I'm not talking about value, so don't get offended and don't get hurt, and I'm not trying to put you down. I wanted to prosper because I wanted my Father God to look good. It was a reflection on him. So that's the number one reason why God wants you to prosper. Pamela and Chelsea, Crystal, God wants you to be rich. Aletha, Aletha, a jewel. God wants you. Brenda, God wants you to prosper. He wants you to be rich. Well, the second reason and the third reason is God wants you to be rich because he wants you to be in a position to finance the gospel, number two, and to give to the poor, number three. He wants you to be in a position to finance the gospel and to give to the poor. I'm in a position now wasn't always in that position. I'm in a position now to finance the gospel. I'm in a position to help the needy. And God wants you to be in a position. Now, let's talk about this. Financing the gospel is a reference to financing God's work in the earth. That would include the local church, but that would also include uh, parachurch ministers. It would also include the fivefold ministers, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers. And that would include any ministry that God raises up to help people, to alleviate pain, to deliver people. Now, I wanna, I wanna capture financing the gospel, and I want to include it in three basic three basic areas, and then we'll talk a little bit about giving to the to the poor. I want to talk about kingdom projects. I want to talk about the kingdom message, and I want to talk about kingdom servants. Kingdom projects, the kingdom message, and kingdom servants. Now, let's let's look at a kingdom project that God initiated in the Old Covenant, Old Testament. Exodus chapter 3, verse 21 through 22, uh, the tabernacle that God 
uh, instructed Moses to build in the wilderness was a kingdom project. And the temple was a kingdom project. So God has kingdom projects in the earth that he wants financed. So let's look at this kingdom project of the tabernacle. Exodus 3, 21 through 22, in the New King James Version, God said to Moses, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go out that you shall not go out empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so shall you plunder the uh, Egyptians. Psalms 105.37 also says, He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. So we see now in the book of Exodus, God brought Israel, the nation of Israel, out of bondage for over 400 years of slavery uh, to Egypt and the Egyptian rulers. And God said, before he brought them out of bondage, that I'm not going to deliver you empty-handed. You're not going to go out empty-handed. And then Psalms 105 says he brought them out with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. So we see that when God brought Israel out of Egyptian bondage, he brought them out and the Bible says he plundered the Egyptians. He brought them out with silver. He bought, brought them out with gold. Now, he could have brought them out with any, without any of that, but he brought them out with silver, brought them out with gold. And then he says something interesting. He says, now, I want you to put the clothes that you get from the Egyptians, I want you to put them on your sons and your daughters. So why did God bring them out? Was it just so that they could prosper? Sure, he wanted them to prosper. That's why he says, put the clothing on your sons and your daughters. But he had a kingdom project that he wanted them to be in a position to finance. And we see that kingdom project in Exodus 25, verses 1 through 2 and verse 8. It says, then the Lord spake to Moses, saying, speak to the children of Israel that they bring men offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. That was a kingdom project. And God knew ahead of time that he wanted that this tabernacle built so that he could dwell among his people, but it was going to take finances. It was going to take uh, resources. And, and that's why he instructed Israel and Moses, I want you to come out of Egypt, but I don't want you to come out in empty handed. God knew he was going to ask them for an offering to build a sanctuary. Well, God is, raising up and instructing leaders 
to engage and groups of people and churches to get engaged in kingdom projects. And God wants his people to be in a position to finance kingdom projects. Now, let's talk about financing the kingdom message, financing the gospel, getting the gospel out. In Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 3 in the New Living Translation, it says, Soon after, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages. He was preaching and announcing the good news. He was preaching the gospel about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases among them, were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Now notice Jesus and his disciples were touring the villages and the cities. And there were certain women that had been helped and delivered through the kingdom message, the good news that Jesus was preaching. And it says that these women women were contributing to Jesus and his disciples from their own resources. They were supporting the kingdom message. So we see even in Jesus' day, getting the word out to the people, getting the word out to the lost, getting the word out to the sick, getting the word out required finances. And these women had the resources to be able to support Jesus and his disciples to get the message out. So we see now getting the word to people and finances go together. But God in his sovereignty has decided to operate through people and not independent of them. So God needs you and I to be in a position to finance him getting the word out, whether it's through TV, whether it's through streaming services, whether through apps or books, or whether through teaching seminars and classes and products, whether it's through raising up a television network, a satellite network, a radio network, radio satellite, it takes finances to get the word out, to get the word out. So God wants his people to be in a position to finance the message. So we talked about kingdom projects. We talk about the kingdom message. Well, let's look at something something that's overlooked much of the time. God also want his people to be in a position to finance kingdom servants, to give to those who are ministering, give to those who are preaching and teaching the word. Second Kings chapter four, second Kings chapter four, verses 
8 through 10 in the New Living Translation says, One day Elijah went to the town of Shunem, a wealthy woman. Think about that. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged Elisha to come to her home for a meal. Now, after that, whenever Elisha passed that way, he would stop there at this wealthy woman's house to be fed a meal. Now, she thought about it. This wealthy woman of Shunem thought about it, went to her husband and said, I am sure that this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. One translation says that she perceived that he was a holy man of God. In other words, she had inspected the fruit. She saw the character of this man, the integrity of this man, the commitment of this man, the love of this man for people. And she perceived by inspecting the fruit. In other words, the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. You should inspect fruit. You shouldn't just invest in anybody. You should inspect the fruit. She did the inspection and she said, I proceed that this is a holy man of God. She went to her husband and she said, now let's build. You and I talking to her husband, she got agreement. She didn't just decide to do it on her own. She was married. So she got in agreement with her husband. She said, let's build a small room for him on the roof furnish it with a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp, then we will, then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. Notice she and her husband were giving to this man of God. She was given to the servant of God. She wanted his life to be comfortable. He wanted it to be convenient. She, she, they took their resources, they took their finances, and they built a profit suite for the prophet, for the man of God. So we see in Scripture that God instructs believers, because she heard from heaven, to minister to kingdom servants. Now, Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 says in the Weymouth translation, let those who receive instruction in the word share with the instructors all temperate things. In other words, it's saying those who will bless you with the ministry of the word, you should sow into them. You should bless them. Now, I'm not, I'm not taking up an offering. I'm not trying to get you to send anything to me. I'm not even asking you to give anything to me. I am simply teaching you the word. I know some of you, you're not, you're not connected to Faith Chapel in terms, I'm not your pastor, but I'm saying in your local church, you should give to your pastor sometimes. You should give finances to your pastor. You should do it individually, but let's not limit this to the pastor. Any person who's feeding you the word and is blessing your life spiritually, whether it be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, 
whether it be someone on radio, someone on live stream, someone on television, whether it, it be some satellite radio ministry, whether it be someone app, someone is feeding you. It can be your small group leader. It can be your Bible stu- uh, study teacher. It can be your Sunday class teacher. Somebody that's feeding you the word, ministering the word, blessing your life spiritually. The Bible says you should give to them sometime financially. You should give to them. Now, we talked about being in a position to finance the gospel. And we said that financing the gospel involves, includes ministry projects, kingdom projects, the kingdom message, and kingdom servants. But also God wants you to be in a position to give to the poor. Now watch this. In Luke 4, verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus says the gospel is not just to the lost, those that are unsaved, but the gospel is to the poor. In fact, Jesus, the Bible teaches, had a treasury. He had a treasurer named Judas. And the scripture clearly says, and I believe it's it's John 13, 29, that a part of that treasury was to give to the poor. So Jesus was giving to the poor on a regular basis. You and I should be supporting giving to the poor on a regular basis. Now, listen at this. Proverbs 19, 17 says, he who hath pity on the poor, (coughs) pardon me, (coughs) he who hath pity on the poor is lending to the Lord. And it says the, the Lord will pay him back what he's given. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 28, he that gives to the poor shall not lack. You and I, believer, should be in a position to give consistently to the needy, which implies we God doesn't want us to be the needy. God wants us to be the giver to the needy. In fact, Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always. He was speaking to his disciples. The poor you will have with you always, but me you won't have always. So we see right now, the disciples, he never intended them. That's speaking to us. He never intended them to be the poor, and he wasn't the poor. He said it, but he intended for them and him and you and I to give to the poor to be in a position to give to the poor. So why does God want us to be rich? He wants us to be rich because we are his children, those who are born again, and he wants us to live a lavish lifestyle just because he loves us. But he (coughs) he wants us to be rich for his name's sake. It is a reflection. Our our condition in life is a reflection on our Father. 
but he also wants us to be rich so that we can finance the gospel, kingdom projects, the kingdom message, kingdom servants. And he wants us to be in a position to give to the poor. Now, I want to conclude by giving you a challenge. I want to give some statements. I trust that 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 what I've been saying is uh, hitting home. <clears throat> now listen at this. When we talk about kingdom projects, the kingdom message, kingdom servants, giving to the poor, we're not talking about the tithe, the tithe, I believe, should be given to the local church. So are you saying, Mike, that God wants me to be in a position to tithe to my local church be in a position to give to kingdom projects and be a position to give toward the kingdom message getting out and be in a position to give to kingdom servants and be in a position to give to the poor. Are you saying that God wants me to be in a position to do all that giving? and then have a lavish lifestyle? Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. And if you listen to my Thursday podcast, I'm teaching on the God of abundance. It's not about you. It's not about your check and not about your salary and not about your bank account. It's not about your job. No, 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 no. Listen, God wants you to be in a position to do all of that. He wants you to be in a position to do all of that. Now, listen at this. And he does not want you to sacrifice your needs. He wants you to be able to give the tithe, give these offerings, and we've outlined what these offerings give to the poor, and not sacrifice your needs. Now, listen, I'm near closed, but I want you to listen because we're going to get over into the how question in our next session. You will never operate on this level of personal prosperity and abundant giving if you see yourself living on a fixed income, I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again. You will never operate on this level of personal prosperity and abundant giving if you see yourself living on a fixed income. Because if your income is fixed, every time you draw from it, 
every time you give, every time you pay a bill, it's less money. Every time you give, it's less money because your income is fixed. As long as you see yourself giving out of a fixed income, you're never going to operate on this level. If you are listening to me and you see your job as your source, you see the bank account that you have, the money that you have in the bank or the investment that you have or the salary that you receive. If you're listening to this and I say that God wants you to be able to tie to your local church, he wants you to be able to give offerings, he wants you to have all of your needs met, live a lavish lifestyle, it will overwhelm you if that's what you're looking at. Is that what you're going to look at? Now, I made a decision just based off the word, talking about me personally, that God wanted me to be rich. I saw in the word that he wanted me to sow into my local, give to my, tie to my local church. I saw he wanted me to give to the poor. He wanted me to give to kingdom projects. And every time we've had one, you know, he wanted me to give to getting the word out. And my wife and I give to different ministers to get the word out. And he wanted me to give to servants. And over the years, we gave to our spiritual parents. Now, it is possible in God. It is not possible in us. Now, there's something you're going to have to do. You're going to have to stop being satisfied with saying, I wish I could, but I can't afford it. You've got to stop saying that. You've got to stop that. You've got to stop saying, I wish I could give, but I can't afford it. I wish I could, but I can't. You've got to stop saying that. That's that's a roadblock to you ever getting beyond it. You've got to stop saying it. The reason you say, I can't, because you are looking at a fixed income or you're looking at what you make on your job or what you have in your bank account or your salary. That's what you're basing it on. I'm trying to elevate your thinking. Stop saying that because you don't have a money problem. You don't have a money problem. Listen, you don't have a money problem. You have two problems, but it's not a problem. You have a vision problem. You can't see yourself tithing, giving bountifully, living a lavish lifestyle. You can't see that. You have a vision problem. The way you break a vision problem, you get in the word. I got in the word and I meditated. There was a lesson in my own teaching on the God of abundance. I listened to two, 364 days. I missed one day. I listened to it 
every day because I wanted to be able to see. You have to see prosperity. You have to see yourself there before you get there. And you're not going to get there watching television. You have to meditate the word. You got to get in the word. I am giving you enough information for you to meditate on it. I'm teaching on God wants you rich on Tuesdays. I'm teaching on the God of abundance on Thursdays. You have to meditate the word. I felt poor. I thought I was poor. I saw myself was poor. And you have to break that by mind renewal. That's the only way you're going to break it. Not, not only do you have a vision problem because you don't have a money problem. you got a faith problem. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Listen, second Corinthians chapter nine, verse 10. I've been saying it for years. The Bible said that God gives seed to the soil. He gives seed to the soil. I stopped years ago. I stopped years ago looking to my salary, to my check, to, to the money that I got in the bank. I stopped years ago looking to that to be able to give. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, that God will give seed to the soil. You don't have a money problem. You have a faith problem. You don't believe that. You don't believe 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. I believed it. And I established, like a lot of people, they have a cash app. See, they have a cash app. And they put this is my cash app because they want people to give to their cash app, see? But I discovered years ago that I was Santa Claus. I'm not looking for Santa Claus to come. I be Santa Claus. I, if you want to know who Santa Claus is, I am Santa Claus. So my cash, I got a cash app too. But my cash app is not designed for folk to give me something. Now, people do give me in my cash app, and I thank you for it. But that's not the purpose for it. My cash app is a, it's a giving account. It's a giving account. It's a giving account. And God just keep putting money in it. He just keep putting money in it because I discovered I didn't have a money problem. I didn't have a giving problem. You've been saying for years, I wish I could give, but I can't. I wish I could help you, but I can't. I'll pray for you. No, 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 no. The Bible says that he give seed to the soil. So my faith action, I'm going to prepare for you to be able to give me seed to sow. If you give me seed to sow, I got to give you a place to give it. I got to give you a place to give it. So my account is not for me. It's a giving account. So when money comes in it and there are needs, I can do this. Now watch, somebody going to say, somebody going to send me a letter or somebody going to text me or message me and say, well, pastor, will you help me? Or will you give this to me? No, you're missing it. You're missing it. No, you're missing it. I'm not giving you that testimony for you. I, I'm not giving you that testimony for you to write me to help you. That's your problem. You're looking for people to help you. And some of you, you've been in that position for years. You need 
people to give to you, need somebody to help you, you're always looking for somebody to help you. you it's backwards. You got it backwards. You got to be thinking, who can I help? Who can I give? If you want to have something, you got to give something. And most of you right now, you praying, you got your faith. When I say I'm Santa Claus, you got excited. I'm going to write him. I'm going to message him. I'm going to ask him for something. No, that's backwards. I am trying to motivate you to be a giver because that's how you prosper in the kingdom. Now, listen, I've got all excited, ran out of my time. I ran all out of my time. I just want you to prosper. God wants you to prosper. And you're not going to be prospering looking for somebody to help you. You're not going to prosper that way. Pastors, you're not going to have money coming in your church if you always got to send a letter to somebody to help you. No, you are Santa Claus. You are Santa Claus. Pastor, you're Santa Claus. Believer, you're Santa Claus. Santa Claus, give gifts. If you change your mind, your condition will change. And that's how God began to bless my life. I changed my mindset because I wanted Santa Claus too. I used to pray for God to send somebody, speak to somebody to bless me, speak to somebody to give me this. I don't even pray like that. I don't pray like that no more. I don't pray like that no more. And I'm saying you can start that right where you are because I had to I had to change my thinking from looking from somebody to help me to looking for somebody to bless somebody. And then it you can break that lack over your life. You can break it. Well, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm way out of time. I'm way out of time. I, uh, uh, I got one question here. It takes more money to maintain a rich life, like utilities for bigger homes or premium gas for luxury cars. And I want to still keep giving seems stressful to be rich. Is this the wrong thinking? Yes. That's a great question. And it is, you're thinking wrong. See, you're thinking, your thinking is me, me. Okay. Watch this. It takes more money to maintain a rich life. It does. It does. You're right. Uh, like utility for a bigger home. Okay, I have a bigger home. I have a big home. It's bigger than any home I ever had. The utilities cost more. Okay, they, the utilities cost more. Um, the insurance costs more. The upkeep costs more. You're absolutely right. I have nice cars. It costs more. When you have those cars serviced, it costs more. You're absolutely right. You said, I want to still keep giving. Now, listen to me. It's going to require some meditation on your part. I'm not saying this is going to happen overnight. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, is what it means to be rich. God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you always have an all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Where you are missing it at, you say, I want to start, start giving. 
I'm not asking you to go out and buy a bigger house. I'm not saying go out and buy an expensive car. I'm not saying. I'm saying if you work the principle, the word abound, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, is mentioned twice. God is able to make all grace abound toward you and then abound toward every good work. That's you and that's your giving. That's you, you're giving. The key, though, is God's grace that helps you to live this. It's God's grace that helps you to do this. You're working the process. You're staying where you are. You're letting the process lead you there. You're giving where you are. I'm not saying you go out and try to give beyond your means. I'm not saying charge anything. I'm saying work the process right where you are. Tithe in your local church, give whatever offers you can. But the missing thing is you got to meditate the word where you begin to see yourself rich on the inside. It's not stressful to be rich because it's not you making yourself rich. If you go out and charge all this stuff and you do all this stuff to make yourself get rich, then it's going to be stressful. It's not stressful for me. And there's another level I can live on, but I'm letting God move me to that level. I'm not trying to force myself in that level. Now, listen, I'll give you some more. i answer some more to this, but this is a great question because I am teaching biblical prosperity. I'm not teaching I'm not teaching just get rich on your own. I'm not teaching go out and charge. I'm not teaching about a big house so people can thank you. I'm not even teaching that. So you're going to have to get in this and listen to this. You're going to go back and listen to all seven, all eight of these lessons. Listen to me on Thursday when I talk on the God of abundance. It's going to click for you, okay? It's going to click. But this question is wonderful. It is a great question, and I'm so glad that you gave it to me. Listen, I got to stop. I got to stop, uh, but we're going to pick up and I'm going to get into some of the hows in our next, how do I work this? I'm going to get into some of the hows in our next session. Thank you. Mm-hmm.